to the Classic Red Green Show podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Classic Red Green Show podcast. As always, I'm your host, AJ. So, it's been a while since we've had a podcast here, and I have been feeling the itch to get back onto the mic, and I think that we're going to have a really good episode today. Um, a ton of stuff has happened since our last podcast. We're looking at some interesting things. Unfortunately, a member of the show has passed away. We will get to that in a minute. Uh, and I have some very, very big news uh, with stuff that I'm kind of digging up with the help of some um, some people like you, some of the fans. So um, all this and more ahead in the episode. So I want to get down to business right away, a bit of a monologue, more just some housekeeping stuff. It's been really busy on my end. Um, that, of course, means not as much time to record and that's why we haven't had a podcast in um the better part of a a month and a half a little over a month uh we are hopefully in the summer as things slow down on my end going to get back to a more regular schedule finally um hopefully if i can get things moving along maybe i'll even be able to put a few in the can um and just sort of release them on a more regular basis and just kind of have a buffer a bit But uh, we'll see what we can do. Hopefully, at the very least, I can pump out at least one or two a month for the next few months and just get through season one and we can get into season two, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, Certainly, I've been doing a lot of digging. Um, I haven't had a lot of free time, but the free time I have been is very, very fruitful. Um, I'm hoping to get some website updates uh, in the near future. Some of the stuff we'll be talking about today will be either uh, a recent update that I've done or an update that's going to be coming up uh, soon on the website. Um, I certainly have a lot more to add to the website, so I'm pretty excited about it. If you are somebody who's not really got an idea what I'm talking about uh, as far as a website, uh, go onto your Google machine right now and just type in Classic Red Green Show. It'll be the first hit that comes up. It's the Classic Red Green Show page. Uh, That's everything that I've been working on and putting together for, uh, well, actually two decades right now. So, um, you know, as you can tell uh, when you go into kind of the about the website, page you know we're really just talking about how it all started as a high school project and has sort of evolved from that point so um you know probably we are probably the top uh, red green show fan page the top destination beyond the actual redgreenshow.com so i'm very proud of that uh, it was a lot of work a lot of blood sweat and tears and a lot of help from people like you uh, that have made this website so great uh, I'm pretty excited that we're going to come up here and I'm double checking. I think this summer is going to be the 20 year anniversary for the website. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything really special. Um, I'd like to, uh, but we'll see. I'm going to see if I can work something together anyway. Um, so, beyond that, I think we'll just talk about our sponsor. Uh, the sponsor for the show, of course, is. Uh, rail line design and uh, their slogan is get your decor back on track 
Uh, they've been a great sponsor for us. Uh, I know that we operate on a very shoestring budget, uh, very rudimentary equipment, uh, freeware software, uh, basically anything that we can get our hands on for virtually nothing or you know the, the change we find our code pockets that's what we operate this podcast on um, you know we're not like you know guys like Joe Rogan who have these huge studios and you know expensive guests and, and all this type of stuff big equipment and, and, and people helping out uh, it's really kind of the one-man operation and uh, you know that goes a long way when you have a great sponsor like Redline Designs so um, my advice is, is just check out their page they have a Facebook group as well a Facebook page check them out see what they have um, you know if there's something that interests you uh, you know make make a buy and a lot of the uh, the money when you support them ends up supporting us here at the show um, so I mean it's better than just donating some money to the show I mean you're gonna basically be doing that only you get something great in return you know with rail line designs um, obviously it's summer coming up you know if you're listening to this podcast in the future uh, it may be whatever season it is but uh, if it is summer coming up or if you're listening to this you know just after it got released um, there's a lot of great stuff that's just perfect for the cottage I mean a lot of us are going to the cottage a lot of us are you know trying to put that little finishing touch and just making it more homey and, and just enjoy the summer there's so many great things there um, for example they have a uh, rail spike bottle opener that's our flagship product now uh, it just been released in the past year perfect for being out in the patio you know if you have friends over or entertain some guests you want to open a couple of drinks perfect thing to show off with and just say hey look at this cool thing uh, it's an instant conversation starter so uh, we highly highly uh, recommend those uh, we here at the show we love them um, use them all the time so I'm sure if you're uh, into that type of stuff you really like the rustic decor you like uh, you know rail items and that type of thing you're gonna love this um, great for the cottage great for the home um, you know rail line designs check them out so I guess we'll kind of get into the show. I guess we'll start with the news. Okay, so the news today is going to be very brief. I don't have a lot of hard news. I mean... Most of the other segments are really going to um, open this up. Uh, but I did want to bring to you a couple of interesting things. Uh, the first one comes from the Times Union. Uh, they have a movie quiz, TV shows that became films, the sequel. Um, this is from May 19, 2022. It's by C.J. Lace, L-A-I-S, Jr. Uh, he's the writer for this one. I give you the uh, web link, but it is a long blurb of items so if you just type in movie quiz colon tv shows that became films the sequel it should come up in your google machine uh interestingly enough um so they have uh, the first item here oh it's called uh, basically i'll read it out to you it's which one of these unlikely theatrical spin-offs from niche tv shows is not real the first one of course duct tape forever from the red green show uh the people's court judge wapner's revenge the gong show movie or aqua teen hunger force colon movie film for theaters that's that's a real tongue twister now 
we of course the uh, we're looking at this because you know duct tape forever the red green show i mean that's obviously their movie that's the spinoff from the show um it occurred after season 12 i believe it was 2002 um you know honestly i i don't know the gong show movie i assume that's probably a thing i want to say the aqua teen hunger force is probably a thing although that seems weird the people's court seems to me like the will that be the weirdest one as far as a spin-off and i mean how would you do that so i'm gonna go with that one um anyways i just thought it was interesting and i'm bringing it up in the news just for that reason it's kind of a movie quiz i don't know if they even have I'm kind of looking at it. I don't, I'm not really sure if they even have the answer. Oh, here we go. So here we go. The answer is number one. People's Court Judge Wapner's Revenge. So uh, the answers are at the bottom if you want to cheat, of course. Um, however, um, they don't really talk anything more about Red Green. It was just very funny that uh, they were end up trying to use that anyway. Um, and this is the Times Union. I'm not even really sure. They're out of the States. I'm not really sure. Where there has a valley, I, I have no idea where this is out of. Um, I'm sure somebody, if, you know, again, if you, I'm gonna look a little bit more. If if you know where this is out of, you know, please feel free to um, write in. Um, yeah. Oh, Albany, New York. So it's out of New York. I mean, these people probably. Um, these people probably know what the red green show I would think. Uh, interestingly enough, they're very close to another item we will be talking about in a few minutes. So it's a great segue to uh, to that if I was doing my homework, but I'm not. So we'll go right into my other piece of news, and that's from the Hollywood Reporter. Here, there's a article. Um, it's entitled uh, "Lawrence Dane, Bride of Chucky." I've seen quotes. It's one of the things he had acted in. Uh, P.I. dies at 84. Uh, this is from March 22nd, 2022. So this would have been just after we had uh, put out our previous podcast. So um, they talk about the Canadian performer had early roles in Mannix, The Mod Squad, before starting homegrown movies and TV shows. He is known for a lot of different shows, Bonanza, Mannix, Mod Squad, Side Effects, uh, I, could, I could really go on. He's done movies. He's done TV shows. He's done a, uh, apparently a theater. Um, street Legal's in here. I mean, uh, it, it, here's something here that's interesting. A former alumni as well, uh, Gordon Pinsent. Um, he was involved in producing that even. Uh, he, Gordon Pinsent had a script in the, in the 1970s called The Rowdy Men. Um, so he was involved in that as well with the uh, Red Green alumni. So that was pretty cool as well. Uh, so this guy has really done all kinds of stuff. Uh, you will remember him, not probably very well as far as the Red Green show is concerned. You're going to remember him in the 93-94 season. So season 3 and 4. And he plays Reg Hunter uh, for a total of 5 episodes. Uh, we will get to that in a future episode. Uh, of this podcast, but uh, for now, uh, we do want to kind of celebrate him. Uh, if I was in that season, I would definitely be um, doing a, an episode on that and bringing up probably his best episode for that. Uh, but we will get there and we will touch on this again. Um, so, uh, you know, thoughts to his family. I mean, um, you know, it's always sad to lose someone, especially an alumni of the show. Uh, not something we enjoy talking about here, but it does happen. And, uh, yeah, we wish the the family the best, and obviously Reg Hunter was a great character, and he played it well, and it was it was nice to see he 
had such involvement in so many things, but also wanted to do the Greg Green Show, even if it was just for a few episodes. So, um, yeah, Lawrence Dane, unfortunately passing away at 84 this year, and an alumni of the show. That That's really our big news segment here of the day, and um, do want to share that and pass that along to you as fans. So, uh, up next, we will get into the mailbag. That's right. We have letters this week. Okay, so we're uh, we have a, a mailbag today. I'm really excited about it. I mean, partly the nice thing about taking some time is. Uh, being able to to actually get letters and, and some mail and some commentary, so I'm very excited about this. We have a few today. Usually, I'm either trying to make one up as a joke, or uh, we have kind of a quickie message or something. This this time we have some really great stuff. So very very happy. People have been writing in. Um, they've been working with me on different things. Um, so please, if if you have any thoughts, comments information like we will take anything anything you want uh to put onto the podcast here and and kind of be celebrated about it and be on the mailbag please write into the show i absolutely love doing this segment um so we'll we'll get in here to a few things so two things two different pieces of mail big stuff here we're talking about so i'm really excited about this um we'll kind of get with the smaller one first we'll just kind of get out of the way here um so a uh, a, kind of a reader to the show, um, or at least to the website. Um, I don't know if they listen to the show, to be honest. Uh, I think they do, but at least for the website perspective, they do um, check out the website often. Um, so they were, they wrote in to me back uh, a few weeks ago and had mentioned that uh, they had kind of an idea on where the Mercury Creek station from Duct Tape Forever is. And I thought, hey, that's interesting because I haven't done a lot of research on, on the movie. I've done a little bit, but not much. Um, most of the research has been focused around the actual show itself, the, the TV series, and not, not necessarily, of course, the um, the movie. But um, he did mention that he thinks he knows where the station is. However, the scenery doesn't really match around it, but the building matches. And so does the caboose and some of the equipment that was seen around that in the movie. Um tell you the actual part of the movie i believe it's around 48 sec or 48 minutes um but i mean you, you could go look at that yourself um i did kind of poke around in there just to see if i could verify for myself um he did provide me with a a link uh and this link brought me up to a google map um and i could use the street view from that to kind of get a good look at the actual equipment around the station as well as the station itself and, and even kind of the piece of track and, and just sort of see if I can verify if that was the location of the station if the station is accurate to the show it just happens to look like it but not really so that type of verification was going on I'm still doing a little bit of that um, I haven't fully uh, clarified that you know this is a verifiable station from the sh- the movie maybe painted different i mean this is 2022 the movie came out 20 years ago um 
you know, things change. So, uh, the interesting thing is that this station is um, in a little town called Caledonia. Uh, that's Ontario. And it's south of Hamilton. So, for those of you who are familiar with the area, I mean, it's just south of Hamilton by, you know, what, a half hour or something. Again, the show was shot in and around Hamilton. This, to me, uh, screams very likely. Um, certainly all the direct obvious evidence is there. Um, they were definitely known for just going around the area and, and shooting in different areas around the Hamilton area. Um, obviously, whatever they needed for the show, they would probably look at that and do it. So I, I certainly think that that is probably accurate. Um, when I look more into it, uh, so it's if you go, uh, you feel free to do this yourself. Um, if you look at Grand Trunk Lane in Caledonia, it's kind of is this little nubs side street, kind of a, a dead end one way side street, and it's kind of goes a parallel with a couple of rail lines that kind of go through the town. Um, when I look at at the actual station that's there, there is a station. Um, it's called the um, Grand Trunk Railway Station and Museum. Um, there's not really, I mean, they don't really have a website. It's sort of a, a local community museum. If you go into the, the Google Maps and you click on it, it uh, gives you this little picture with a caboose. Um, and they have several different photographs as well. Uh, there's a water tower you do get the station and you get a couple of pictures of the station it's uh, marked out as Caledonia that's the obviously it's the station or the former station for Caledonia along the Grand Trunk line um, there's two different paint schemes that we've seen in some of these pictures from the looks of it um, you got kind of a brown and tan uh, you also have a green and tan um, and, and they do have some differing uh, viewpoints anyway. Uh, there's a Food Basics kind of store behind it. For those of you who aren't from Canada, that's a, a kind of a discount grocery store. Very popular here. Um, they also have um, you know, a couple of pictures of the caboose, a couple of pictures of the interior. Uh, so those are all very accessible. You can see those. The street view itself is also somewhat accessible to those. You can see kind of that area. It's not perfect. Um, I'll give you that. Um, actually, I'll even go to it now and see if I can kind of help uh, describe it a little better. You do see some of the rail equipment around it. So there's kind of a main corridor with uh, two different tracks, and then there's a couple of side ones. There's a kind of a industrial uh, farm type of building. I believe it's a Purina building that's sort of beside it. So I guess one of these little spurs serves that. Another spur just has some standard standalone equipment that's kind of parked there or whatever. Uh, the caboose is inside, uh, kind of on the left of the station, on the other side from the tracks. Um, it appears that they were doing some repair work. So this street view view was from 2014. Um, if I go to the 2012 version, it looks like they. Uh, the caboose is, is not under repair at that point, so obviously they've done some repairs in the last uh, decade anyway. 
The station itself uh, does not show the green with tan paint in this image. So as of 2014, it shows the uh, tan with brown. Um, so it has been painted certainly, um, you know, in the last 20 years for sure. I do believe that this is the station from the show. Uh, I just haven't gotten confirmation that it perhaps may have been moved here um, or anything like that. So I'm still looking into that. Um, so why I'm bringing it kind of onto the show is that I, I do believe it's probably the station. I get this information from a fan. The fan also happens to be a rail fan. So for those of you who don't know what that means, it means somebody who's just really interested in rail uh, equipment and, and railroading, and they'll often go and, and find locations to watch equipment, you know, watch trains go by, and that type of thing. They have a very big interest in trains, so um, they tend to be much more privy or aware of um, old stations and stuff like this so uh, when a local rail fan says hey you know I think this is probably it it certainly draws my attention to it anything that I've been able to see as far as a comparison with the show I, I do think it probably is the same building uh, it's possible it could be a different building as they were often built sort of in the same light um, I, I'm not a big expert on a Grand Trunk, uh, but I do believe that a lot of the stations they try to build with the same plan, just, you know, you already have a plan for one, why reinvent the wheel and spend a bunch of money, right? So, um, I do believe on that basis it probably is correct. Um, but I'm still digging on it. So if you do have any other information, you know, if you do know if this particular station was moved here in the last 20 years or was using the show for whatever reason, because clearly the driveway was definitely not there for the show. I mean, there's just no way that this building in this location could have been used for Ranger Gord in the movie. So um, that would lead me to believe it'd have to have been moved there. Um, but we're still looking for confirmation. I haven't been able to reach out to their so, um, museum association or anything just because it's been mostly closed with the COVID pandemic. So uh, if you have any information or anything that you're able to help me with this, I mean, please, by all means, write into the show. Uh, you can do that via the website, the Classic Red Green Show website. You can go onto the uh, Red Green Vance Facebook page, uh, drop me a line there. I would absolutely love it. That would make me uh, super happy because uh, I love getting that support from you and the fans plus it also takes one little extra detail off my plate so um, definitely help me out with there i'd love to uh to get that information and of course uh give you some credit on the websites and the podcast here so um i do want to thank the uh, rail fan here who helped me he said he didn't really want credit he just enjoyed this type of stuff enjoyed the rare green show and thought hey uh, i'd love to tip you off and hopefully this will help other fans so thanks to him uh uh you know, it's a great tip, and it's something I'm going to look more into. So uh, I do want to uh, highlight another uh, line of communication I've had over the last month or so with a individual named Jonathan. Um, he is another fan of the show. Interestingly enough, he's the type of person who kind of comes from my mold, uh, and I'll say that in the sense that He's the type of person who'll watch the show and say, oh, I wonder where that place was. I wonder um, how they came up with this. What did they use? Um, was this location here? You know, he just really wanted to find out those places and ideally uh, go out and visit for, uh, those places too, if possible. So, um, great to get 
some letters and, and some correspondence from him on the next subject, um, which is the location of the real Possum Lodge. So a lot of you will probably remember uh, when you look at the bumpers for the show or certainly the opening, you'll have that lodge building, uh, kind of a picture of it and, and just sort of there in the background. I know some of the first couple of seasons, they'll use that as a bumper as well. And you're kind of thinking, hey, that, that definitely looks like the lodge. I mean, you got the trees, you got this old large building. I mean, it's exactly what you picture that. A lot of people, what they don't realize is that that place exists. That place is not actually in Canada. And that's the part that really surprised me when I first learned about this, is that, you know, I'm thinking this is probably up in uh, north of Toronto somewhere, uh, you know, like more to central Ontario, that type of thing. Um, you know, it's nothing to do, not anywhere close to that. Um, and we're talking, you know, in the, la the news segment about the um, Times Union and how it's from Albany and sort of like ties in with the news or with the uh, mail call item. And this is the item. Um, this location actually is in Vermont, USA. And I thought it was particularly interesting when I discovered this myself, and that was going back a few years ago, um, probably about actually about 10 years ago um, so I have a little bit of information on the website about that the sad part about it is you could actually go there it's uh, the location was a um, uh, I guess a campground you know kind of a bring your own trailer bring your own tent type of thing and I if you go to my website, I mean, I've got a bit of a spiel about it. Um, I know Steve Smith has talked about this before. I'll kind of bring it up again here in that, um, you know, Steve Smith was with his family. They decided to do some camping. There's a family trip. I mean, we're going back uh, into the 80s here, sort of where Red Green was starting as far as an idea. Um, we all know that uh, the character first really appeared on Smith and Smith and some segments and that. And uh, a lot of this inspiration came from being on this vacation and doing some camping with uh, their young children in, in the 80s. They were in Vermont. Um, I guess it took the drive from Hamilton all the way out to Vermont. Uh, been camping in, in, in this kind of uh, pop your own tent uh, location, small town, and uh, just really fell in love with the area. But particularly the main building, or I guess the uh, the administration building, I think it was called. Um, they really liked the look of it. It was all kind of a large old building, very different building. Um, so he decided to take some shots of that. Um, I think it was with a nine millimeter camera, I, or something like that. Anyway, or Super Eight or something like that. Took some shots and. Uh, ended up using those as part of the Red Green Show, and again, it was part of the inspiration. I mean, it made sense. It was a perfect thing for him. Um, and anyways, while this is happening, this location is sitting here. Uh, this it was kind of a family-run business, and it's going on forever, sort of thing. We have a hurricane, kind of a remnant of, of a hurricane, rip through uh, that area. We're going off back to uh, 2012 and that's Tropical Storm Irene so I don't know if people remember that or if that was affected or, or not that type of thing uh, but this particular area was very affected by Tropical Storm Irene and um, 
their kind of their campground got really damaged. Trees everywhere, um, buildings damaged, some buildings damaged beyond repair. Um, there's some flooding in that area. It was kind of around this little creek area. Um, so we had a bit of a problem there uh, as far as the owners, where it almost just didn't make sense um, to come back to it and, and just rebuild it just because it was just so damaged and um, really beyond repair um, so that's the unfortunate part about it you have the ability for fans at that you know to be able to go there and I, I bet you people just don't even realize that it exists or it even was there and that's really the saddest part about it whereas you had you know for years people going there and having no clue that it had ties to the Red Green Show. Um, I always thought that that was kind of the sad, tragic part about it. Um, the building itself, yeah, like I said, it was severely damaged in Tropical Storm Irene. Um, there's not really much they could do. You have um, individuals uh, you know, who own it. They decide to abandon uh, the business and just not rebuild anymore. Uh, my understanding is they're probably older. Don't know that for sure yet. I'm uh, still looking into that aspect of it. Um, the location was called White River Valley Campgrounds. For those of you who um, may want to look into it more, um, it was located at 40 Bridge Street in Gaysville, Vermont. Um, Obviously, they haven't been open for the better part of a decade now. Um, my understanding is that the building may or may not be there. Uh, that was really where things ended off. When I located the building back around 2012, I did understand that it was damaged by Tropical Storm Irene, but there wasn't really any information out about it. There was no real information as far as a social media account or anything like that. So, you know, being somebody who's not even in the States, it was very hard to find anything out about it. Um, I put together a little bit of a blurb and that was on the website. Uh, and I sort of never revisited that. Thanks to Jonathan though, he decided to kind of um, you know, when he's reading this, think there's got to be something more to this. It, it just can't abruptly end like this. Um, you know, either people are using it or, or it's just totally gone to time. And he took some initiative and reached out to uh, the town um, and just see if he could get any more information about it. is this place still going? Do they change names? You know, like anything, any information possible. Uh, the town itself is called the town of Stockbridge, uh, specifically. Um, and they were hoping that, you know, any information they could provide would be at least giving them a lead or something like that. Um, he's also was hoping that if they decided to, um, do nothing with the property, maybe there could be an effort to save it. And, you know, I certainly would have been on board. I would do what I can to help with that. Um, anything possible to save a, a landmark for a green i mean that's you know there's just so much you could do with a building like this especially being so iconic to the show it just to me screams like a, a perfect place for a um a museum or, or something that could um 
be a place dedicated to the show, uh, somewhere for fans to go, that type of thing. Um, heck of a business idea, anyway, uh, in my mind. I mean, to have a red-green themed uh, campground would be fantastic. Uh, so he reaches out and he gets back to me. He sort of emails me and, and we kind of go back and forth talking about the show and that type of thing. He was just sort of telling me, this is what I'm doing, reaching out to these people and um, hopefully I'll be able to get some more information for you. Uh, the town does reach back to him and they tell him that um, the land was actually taken over by what's called the White River Partnership. Now, of course, the river that goes through the town and of course on the banks of the town we have this campground is called the White River. Um, so this partnership was created out of, um, I, I guess, just after the uh, tropical storm or uh, Hurricane Irene had gone through the area, and obviously with the devastation, um, some property was put up for sale. And of course, this partnership was created to to get that property and make it more of a green space and more of a place for uh, local citizens or tourists to come in and enjoy. Um, the campground itself was subject to that too uh, so he was going to reach out to this partnership his hope was buildings were still available and hopefully in good shape uh, he also did some digging on google earth and this is something that you could do yourself at home right now actually if you go to google earth and you go to uh, the town of stockbridge and if you go to even if you key in 40 bridge street Gaysville, vermont or Stockbridge, Vermont, uh, it should come up on Google Earth for you. And if you poke around and you kind of zoom in, you should be able to find the location of the camp or of the lodge. Um, sort of poked through there. There's some bush and stuff like that. I know on Google Maps, um, there's some the satellite imagery is from 2022. Uh, however, there's some buildings and stuff like that. If you go up about um, uh, 100 or 200 meters from uh, Bridge Street, you can see there's kind of a clearing. Um, there's sort of like a rocky beach, and you also see a lot of trees down. It lo looks like sort of dirt roads. Um, there's some cars in this little parking lot, uh, and then there's a few buildings. The buildings do not look great uh, as far as their roofs. Um, the largest building, which uh, we believe is the Possum Lodge building in question, uh, appears to have some roof boards still ripped or, or damaged. Um, that's very troubling. Uh, we were hoping that that would be repaired. Um, However, we are not sure when this image was taken. Uh, it says copyright 2022. Um, however, on, on the kind of the Google Maps, we don't really have an indication if that's correct or not. Um, so Jonathan did a little bit of digging with Google Earth and, and did notice some different things. Um, the only thing that he could say is that uh, in 2013, when they did, I guess, the Google Earth kind of imagery, um, he believes that that large building is the actual location of the Possum Lodge. Uh, based on the other buildings around, he, he does believe that that's the only logical place of the building. If you also look at how there's kind of the opening in front of it uh, and the trees around it, it does seem to make sense as far as what we see on the show and what we see with the picturing of it. 
further uh, in some research that we were doing, if you look at uh, roverpass.com and if you go to their White River Valley Campgrounds location, uh, they do have one review on this. Uh, apparently it's not good. It's from 2019. It's uh, Carl Schwenderman uh, had mentioned a one-star rating and just said the campground has closed for good. Um, and then he references the White River Partnership um, .org site on the floodplain project benefits uh, for Gaysville. And they talk in this about what they're planning to do with it and kind of what their their goal is of this location. Um, the particular article he's referencing is from June 20th, 2018 by the administration uh, for the White River Partnership. And the image they use on it is very clearly from um, that rocky beach in, at that campground. Um, the interesting thing of why I really want to bring to you the, uh, the Rover Pass site is they have a couple of images. The images are of the Possum Lodge kind of picture that we do have from the show. Obviously, it's more modern, and you see it with the Welcome to White River Valley camping sign. I mean, this is clear as day, that particular image. The interesting thing to me when I first found this site is that these images make the lodge look a lot smaller than what we believe it is on the show or on the bumpers. Um, I don't know if that's a perception thing. Clearly, this building has been here for decades. Um, you know, it's very obvious from it. Uh, it's just, it looks like an old building. It's not like they changed the front or something. So it's clearly that. Um, so it's that I always thought was really, really interesting. If we look, there's also a side profile view of that building. So you can see how long it is and kind of how the roofs are a little different. They're sort of like a couple of um, ones where the slant is not so deep because they've got kind of rooms there. And then there's a really... Um, aggressive slant because I guess there's no particular room there or something on that second floor. Um, so if you cross-reference that with um, some of those satellite images, it, I think it's very clear that this is the particular building that we're looking for. Um, so it, it's kind of neat to see that, or at least those perspectives, um, up close and personal anyway. Um, I do want to note too that White River Valley Camping does have a website. Um, it's not obviously functioning. Um, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me why it would function. It's um, clearly hasn't been in business for some time, but that's something else I'm going to be profiling in a future uh, episode is just more like that website and see if I can do any dig deep diving with um, Internet Archive and seeing if I can find anything related to the show or at least the building within their old archive website um, my hope is that I can find something um, it's just hard to say like what that might be because um, I know that this website has been down for some time um, so that look for that in a future part of the website anyway um, I guess moving forward, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the fate of the, the building and the fate of the, the location. Um, so in communication with White River Partnership, uh, it looks like everything as building-wise was razzed and torn down. Um, there is uh, just anything that 
that was basically left there. I think there was only one or two buildings I believe they mentioned that were particularly able to be saved, and they were saved and used for whatever you know the partnership would like to do. Usually, mostly it was just storage space. Unfortunately, the Possum Lodge building, uh, from what we are hearing, was torn down because it was just simply not able to be saved apparently the devastation was so significant and obviously with the passage of time and the lack of repair from that damage over you know the better part of a decade it just simply wasn't able to be repaired um there's not really much they could do with that um so regrettably um all this to say uh the possum lodge building is no longer um there it's just simply been lost to time um so i mean that that's really the gist of of kind of that male uh that male uh, segment here is just how we've lost another part of the show unfortunately you know uh, and it's sad it's sad that that has to happen i mean obviously damage from a tropical storm there's not much anyone can do about that you only help or you only hope that you can have end up saving it if, if you're able to do it unfortunately they're just not able to do it and yeah you know unfortunately it's gone and um at the very least the location will still live on as a good community space a good green space um the one thing with the white river partnership that they were able to do is, is to incorporate this land into what they've got or what, at least what they call is the White River Water Trail. And you're able to actually go down there, and, and there's a trail now going through it, and, and actually see the location. You won't necessarily see the building, of course, but you're able to still see the location, see the trees, see the like the, the beach and the, uh, the different open areas and the, you know everything. And, and you can sort of get a feel of the area and, and kind of hopefully get a feel of what it was like to be Steve Smith with his young family and just getting that inspiration at that time, you know, decades ago. So a little silver lining there. I mean, obviously this is a, a horrible loss of the, the show and, of course, fans of the show. Um, but at least we're able to determine where this was and determine kind of what happened to it. Uh, so I do want to thank Jonathan. I mean, he did a ton of work, a ton of legwork. Helped me out immensely. Um, I'm definitely going to add him to the credits role on the website because he's done so much research for this. Um, you know, unfortunately, it had a not-so-happy ending. Um, some of the stuff we research has a great ending. And, you know, that's what you live for. You hope that you can do that. You hope you can research heavily and find something and be able to see it this just isn't one of those things unfortunately so um you know that said i i do really appreciate the work he did um i've asked him to to you know poke around see if you find anything else either uh finding else on the particular building here or on something else so uh hopefully you hear from jonathan in a future podcast i certainly will hear him on the website my goal is to do a major website overhaul for this page and, and just have all this new information available for you. So look for that in the coming days as that will be there. So uh, that's the end of the mailbag segment for today. It's a kind of a deep dive heavy segment, but um, you know, I felt like that was something really, really important for us. So 
with that said, I think we're going to get towards the episode of the week. Um, our episode of the week, of course, is episode 18. It's um, Safety Week. Just Safety Week. And is of course, comes from 1991. And um, we're going to see one of my favorite characters, Jimmy. Jimmy McVeigh. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so I won't get any more into it. However, if you would like to follow along, we're going to... We're going to watch a show now and kind of follow along and talk about it. So if you'd like to do that, uh, just fire up Red Green Show episode 18 into your Google machine. It should come up as Safety Week. should come up as a uh, listed show from Red Green. Um, so just cue that up. You can put this on pause. Um, and then whenever um, you turn back on, I'll tell you when to hit play and you can follow along with us or you can just follow along with us and just sort of listen to it in the background and, and just you know think about it and talk and, and that type of thing so uh, I'll let you go ahead and do that now and uh, uh, put that on pause and we'll get right to the show so here we are it's the red green show episode 18 season one of course our tell this safety week Give you a little synopsis of the show here. Safety Week The Lodge. Jimmy, our good friend Jimmy McVeigh, builds a boat prop out of a ceiling fan. Great clip. Love that one. Red fixes a toaster in Handyman Corner, and Bill explains the subtleties of fire safety. Obviously, he's going to get burned. <laughs> now, it's been said that this original air date for this episode was July 27, 1991. Uh, I have some debate on that, but uh, that's what we're looking at. Sarcasse, we got Peter Callahan as Ranger Gord. As you can hear right now, Patrick McKenna is obviously going to be in this episode. Steve Smith and Rick Green. And uh, Will Miller is going to be Jimmy McVeigh. Uh, once again, another one of my favorite episodes uh, just because we have an appearance by uh, my old Jimmy. So uh, let's get into it. Sandy starting here. Let's see if he remembers her old name. Uh, he often doesn't. Uh, we decided to have a early in the, uh, at the lodge this week because we're losing so many here. fishing days to injuries. Uh, I mean, you know, when you stub your toe on a cast iron stove and then you're jumping up and down and uh, you end up falling on it. It's funny because Safety Week is, um, you know, and again, we'll get into the season two, but uh, it, it would be a, an interesting concept for an episode season two as well. Um, it's too bad they didn't have one so for season two. Um, they sort of do. Uh, we'll get into that, of course. But um, you know, it's more like a security work, uh, a security week of sorts. I guess is probably the closest to it. So. Standard interrupting, just kind of. Again, that's the beauty of season one is they really highlight the slapstick. You know. Straight man, uh, the funny man type of routine. Very, very reminiscent of the, um, you know, kind of those two-man shows and kind of those variety shows. You know, comedy at the time was very much like that. Yeah. First, looking back now, I don't feel like that's very common today. It's in a way nostalgic, but uh, sort of missed. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. Clean, fun comedy what they do. We work off each other. work really well. And you think, like, this is season one. They've only really been working together. You know, that's, you know, really at this point, you know, probably a couple of episodes of shooting. Um, 
That's all right. I'll, yeah, I'll that, that's kind of the more amazing part. But I mean, you, you think that uh, Patrick McKenna and Steve Smith have been working together for you know, years, really. So. Are you wearing steel-toed shoes? No. Good. Where else going? See again. That's just like you know. You know what's going on. It's great. It's just good writing, good acting. When I was just a little lad. It's funny, so a lot of these scenes here where they'll do a campfire song or, you know, one of the poems, um, Dean Smith actually mentioned, so he, he was doing a lot of Twitch episodes, and they'd watch him the episode, and he'd, he'd pause it and talk, and um, one of the things, so it, episode 2, season 1, on his Twitch episode, and he talked about how they had a shoestring budget when they shot the show, and they would do these day-long shoots, and it would be just... You know, campfire song after campfire song, well into the night, or, you know, they'd be doing, um, you know, like a, a poem segment, you know, constantly, so it's interesting to think, uh, you know, later on the night how tiring it must get, but you never know, you never know. Here, I love that in the left of, well, I guess he's right there. You see that big cluster of uh, power cords. Just, I mean, that's. I have to say, that's. I love. I want to do that with my own shop, my own cable. So, kind of inspiration. I got. I got a hanging one. But uh, all inspired of this. Not. Not anywhere near as bad, of course. Safety. Safety weak, right? This is definitely do not do this, of course. It's not safe, but uh, you know he's, he's showing you. I love it. It's charred and black. I mean, it's just, the power is on, it's metal. Uh, I think we should of course, that's why he's he's showing this right here. Is uh, obviously again safety week. So yeah, that makes sense. Of course, probably can't tell, tell what it is, but it's only one of two things that could be wrong with a toaster. Uh, number one, you got your... And who had toasters like these? These were, these were pretty uh, classic, you know, 60s, 70s. Uh, Coloring. You're not sure if that was the color or just faded uh, plastic, right? The WD-40 or what we call the, uh, the Annie Man's liquid wrench. I like that, liquid wrench. You know, I still use that that to this day. Just, you know, you want some liquid wrench, just whip out a can of WD-40. I get the weirdest looks, but it's worth it. What's wrong with it is that the uh, the heat sensor uh, in inside the unit is stuck in the on position and just needs Which some sort sense. of jarring motion. Of course, uh, you'd think it'd be a simple way, you know. No, just uh, so hammer the back off. Between the two, uh, we've got this thing pretty well squared up. Uh, why don't I just plug her back in and uh, we'll just give her a try? I think you're going to be surprised. I'm going to find a plug in there. I'm surprised it works. Fires it in. Of course, the mechanism works on both sides, so with the other side missing, it's not going to work out well. And, well, she's not burning. He's got a point, though. He's got a good point. Up. So we uh, we've done it. I mean, it's just that easy. But remember, until next time, if the women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Like this. Just <laughs> an extra spray, as if it needs that. And we'll be right back with a lot more info on the safety week thing. It's not about the, uh, the fire extinguisher in the outhouse, is it? Oh, no, we'll let old man Sedgwick tell that when he gets out of intensive care. You know it's bad win, right? But I feel like uh, up at the lodge, that's just par for the course. You just expect there to be some sort of risk of injury or issue or something. It's probably the charm of The sun blazes for hours. You lean against a black car. 
and then gingerly enter the variety store where you empty a bag of ice into the seat of your pants. It's not only refreshing, it's good sense. I don't know how many people probably can believe, you know. So anyway, we're really getting into this. See themselves uh, doing that? Thing I, I know I have a few times. Thought we'd uh, clear out all the litter and junk lying around. I'm not counting the furniture, you know. So we started picking up uh, all the crap, uh, the tree stumps and, uh, and the rubber tires and the, the hunks of boats, you know, and the pieces of plywood and the uh, tractor. So at this point, he's basically and, uh, describing a dump. I would think. Maybe a dump. And, and so on. At least we got the front hallway cleared up. I know you've either got, you know, like we have a guy in your family who's got a house like that or a property like that or, you know, it's one new town or something. It's a lodge. We we just duct taped them together and made a flotation ring for the beer cooler. I like how he's just patronizing him at this point. Let's go move it along, move it along. He doesn't care. He, hey, Patrick Rihanna plays it so well here. He doesn't care. <laughs> I love that. Beat up. Oh, here we go, Ranger Gordon. It's funny, like, talking about Dave Smith um, earlier, and of course, um, yeah, I ended up finding out a couple of years ago already, I mean, almost 10 years ago, actually, that this trio's here, and you can see it shakes. You can see how, um, I'm not going to say the weight level's probably being exceeded, but it's, uh, the cameraman and uh, obviously both of them and all the stuff in there, the A track, it's probably pretty, pretty on edge. But uh, anyway, you can, you know, we, we realize that this is actually their uh, their kids' playhouse in the uh, treehouse in the backyard. So, you know, I know that the the green giant can corn is right down there. He's going to reference that in a minute. The A track, of course. Uh, I'm not really sure if you if you recognize what. E track that stereo system there, whatever that is, you know, uh, send that into me at the website. I'm curious. I, I personally don't recognize it. It's like it's a kind of a combo unit or something instead of a stack. I like the talking about the notch in his uh, log here. You can see that. And it's funny too with the canned corn. So those green giant labels. This would have been shot 1990, 90, you know, 91, let's say, even, conversation's sake. And uh, those green giant labels lasted well into uh, the late 2000s before they really rebranded in a drastic way. Uh, I remember uh, going to the grocery store as a kid in the 90s, of course, seeing those. And uh, working at a grocery store in the 2000s in high school. Uh, I also remember stacking cans like that, so that's kind of a cool thing. Obviously not those cans from the show, but hey, it's pretty fun. Of course, Rubik's Cube, super pop. I like how he's, um, they're really painting him starting out in season one and, and probably leading about season four-ish, three, as, as being sort of a guy who's in the woods, forgotten about, and he, he's just stuck in like... 1981 or something, and, and I really like that dynamic. Of course, they do change away from that in later seasons, uh, certainly by the end of the series, it's far different. But I really like the, the isolation aspect and the fact that he's been forgotten about, seemingly, uh, as we'll learn. And of course, the fact that he, it's almost like he's like a, a human time capsule. He's just stuck in like 1980 or 81 or something like that. I, I, you know, that was kind of a really interesting 
part of the character that they developed there. Of course, the growth throughout the years, I mean, that's, Peter Callahan's just a great actor and, and is able to pull this off really well, but the writing for it, it, it really grew the character. And, yeah. Out of all the characters, I think Ranger Gore is the one who, who drastically changes the most. And probably, I wouldn't say not at all for the best. I, I think it's for the best. You know, the characters really grew, and it's been entertaining to watch. Here we get a great view of that Possum Lodge crest over his uh, breast pocket. I'm not chauvinistic. Uh, we've done everything in our power to uh, expand the show to include women. Uh, we did a feature on shopping for shoes. Sure. Uh, so I guess there was no actual feature in the show. I mean, that would be addressing, but yeah. Of course, you see the smoke really bad in this episode from that uh, that stove there. And I, I've got some information about that. Of course, they push smoke into that, so it just come out. And there was a couple episodes where they actually had real fires there, and, and they almost had a, a, a fire issue, so uh, they ended up changing that to actually running, you know, actual smoke through it. But I like the effect that, you know, it seems like the smoky now. There's a couple of these segments where they just, it's like it just builds and builds and builds and gets really bad. And I feel like it's almost done on purpose. And of course the actors don't recognize it at all, and that's what makes it even better. But even here, I mean, you, if they were turn around, there'd be just a wall of smoke. How do you not see that? It's kind of fun. I don't think women are narrow-minded. I think, I think you're narrow-minded, yeah. At least that's what it's laid I out. From your dissertation thusly far. I think he's using million-dollar words, of course. I don't think you could call me narrow-minded. I mean, I, I I pride myself on being the exact opposite of uh, narrow-minded. Fat-headed? <laughs> I could buy that. I could live with that. Uh, I could live with that. In keeping with uh, safety. Of course, we're talking about fires. We're in a fire starting and almost burning down um, sets. So We've got... Uh, so just a little bit of fire out there at the farm. Yeah. 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 Front of the barn. Of course, we see the barn a lot of shots. Um, interestingly enough, I was talking to a gentleman who... Um, there's a dummy later on a few seasons later where they launch it and it hits the side of the barn. It turns out it's this barn, uh, from my understanding. There's this horrible... Uh, uh, the horrible uh, sleeping bag and these, uh, these signages and stuff. Anyways, um, he bought this dummy from that, and they fired in the barn, and it just makes you wonder, like, how many shots did they actually do here? And that's something I'd love to do if I had the time. You know, just go through the whole series and, and pinpoint how many episodes were shot at a certain location. Because yeah. I, I bet you it's way more than you think. Garden hose just shooting off wherever, like it's one of those cartoon fire hoses, right? So if you don't have a hose, what did he go now? What was it? What was it? Kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bucket of water and. Yeah. Uh, that was like a bucket of water. I don't know. I hope. And and there's a bucket, there's some sand. Of course, you're going to throw sand at them, and I'm just like, yeah, I would probably be upset too. Hold it, Bill, hold it. Yeah, I think, I think he's had enough sand. Boy, that stuff on the contact lenses, let me tell you. Mm hmm, mm hmm. Got a little drum in the back or something. Oh, yeah. Of course, he's out of control by now, like, it's just too much for him. This had to have been, you just see him just swinging his arms, like this had to have been fun to shoot, this part, going loop. I mean, who wouldn't want to do this? This is great. Uh, so we wouldn't recommend that one, especially when it's in, in Probably not, hand. no. There's nothing you're going to do. Yeah, I like, I like, so you see the blanket goes on the fire there, and, uh, make sure no I mean, we all know what's going to happen, right? Like, it's, 
it's not a surprise. The real blankets. So Bill went to get another blanket. Should have asked. Uh, I think this one had been so. I feel like this one, yeah, this one was probably they put it in like some sort of fluid, lighter fluid or something. Went up which it was up. And, so really interesting. This, like, I have to imagine that yeah. they must yeah. have had a thing underneath to shoot that. And I got the other fire Although you see that white powder, so I think you it's really the powder at some fire. think about uh, reading the instructions on these things until you really are pressed for time, you know. So you think you just pull the trigger, that pin, kind of like a grenade, but, uh, pull down the handle, and there you go. Uh, to be honest, yeah. I never used one, so. So I, I also like red here. This, uh, see what he does here. You know, I think the fire is out, right? Uh, I did not read far enough to see how you, uh, how you turn the extinguisher off. Let's just keep going. You see all the powder? I'm surprised you're right in the like, sort of revenge from the sand. I mean, you kind of implied, I guess. Yeah. We're just convincing now. You can see that. But I was really just trying to keep uh, Bill's mind off the injury. Yeah, see, I like that he talks about that, and suddenly now he grabs his arm, so. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Good segment. I'm sure we're going to realize, or see something of ourselves in that, right? They can just continue the segment. It's like the awkwardness, so he's grabbing his ankles, and he's almost like he's you know, a 15 year old kid still, but he's really like 25. And he's just been stuck no, there for ten years. Crying, of course. I mean, and you see the trees around him. How are you spotting a forest fire from up there? I have no idea. I mean, you can, there's not even room for a cloud or anything. I mean, they apply, maybe it just keeps going. Of course, he's been there longer. VHS would have come out in the early '80s, like I believe '83 or '84 or something like that. So. At least in the mainstream. I mean, I understand VHS was out, you know, in the 70s, but... Yeah. But this is 1990, and I believe that he's supposed to have been there for 10 or 13 years or something. He's referencing his cream corn. I love, I love that, too. Even as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll barbecue some canned corn. Even as a kid, I was like, that is insane. No one's going to do this. He's all excited. Bye bye, you know, Red's just start, like yeah, just trying to leave. One thing, you look at his hat. It looks like he's got water dribble on it or something. Um, that was something I always wondered about. If it had been stained or something. Um, the little I found out is I think when they were doing the shooting for this, it was actually raining, and that was runoff from because he was sitting at the back there, it was over the side. Oh, of yeah. the kind of yeah. the roof line, and there was just some runoff from the roof. That, that was the only thing I've been able to find oh, out. I don't I'll have confirmation yet, but oh. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all about just something. There's all of these segments are just chatting, you know. And see, you think, well, maybe you should be helping out, but well, just sort of just chatting. Just, I guess, okay, too. You know what I'm talking about, Harold? You know. I'm just totally an I'm, I'm talking about something you can buy in a drugstore. Oh, contraceptives. Oh, yeah, we have one of those machines in the boys' washroom at school. But it's only time I think Peter McKenna is like, he's probably like pushing 30 here. And he's supposed to be playing a 16 year old. And it's like, you know, those, those movies where it's high school, the kids are clearly, you know, like 25 or something. And I feel like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
know what you they thought. were doing that in the show here too. Like it's it's fine, say that but word one more time. We're not having any more of these open, honest discussions. No, zip it. Sorry. No. But uh, yeah, that was one thing. And this scene, I, I really feel like he just sort of right doesn't fit the I'm 16 year old. We need more of us. Maybe 19, but well, you don't want to get injured, do you, Harold? Like <laughs> uh, they they come back to this, just going, and there's Bill just like running around. I love the Z's like in the back. That's it's like people We're stop. Oh, here we go. Jimmy here we go. Jimmy Bouvet. Jimmy Bouvet. Oh, here he's. Like he just comes whipping up and he just yells at him. He's just going to buy a propeller, and I think he'll be. I think I see. I, I think I hear him coming right now. Jimmy. So Jimmy. He's got his mail bay. How'd she go? Did you get the propeller all right? Did I get the propeller? Yeah. I went down to the bloody marina to get the propeller, a <laughs> yeah. thing I ordered a week ago. Yeah. And he's the shovel. Half his shirt's in. out. I don't know if that was a purpose, but I love it. I bought this instead. What the hell is that? That's a ceiling fan there, Jim. This is a propeller. I mean, Will Miller, I mean, if, if you're listening and you're watching this, like, bravo. Like, I wish you would revise the rule at least once more. That, that would just be fantastic. This guy could have his own show, like, spin-off. There's a spin-off. They should have had this. I mean, you know, you know this guy leads an exciting... This guy's a postman. And you know for a fact he's living on a boat. You know it's, it's an exciting life. Like, that's worth having a TV show on. Especially considering this boat probably has been water for, at this point, 20, 30 years. It's probably not in the water today. That was 30 years ago. The engine's out. Yeah. I don't even know where they found this, all these parts and stuff. Again, if you know what this is or where this was shot, tell me, because this is just, I gotta go there. This is fantastic. Oh, this, I remember that this is such a great segment. Let me just pawing around, looking for anything. The little ladder, of course, he needed the ladder to get up, but... I was just yelling at him. So good. I love that. Just. What's that? Well, that's the cameraman. That's his TV camera there. No, 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 no. That that thing underneath the camera. That thing there. Oh, that's the tripod. See, why would you have a, a tripod? tripod? But the, like you, see, you can feel the camera bob. Yeah. So the guy's got it over his shoulder, right? So there's there's no tripod. Of course, now this I love. They just sort of make it. You know what happens, of course. Uh, this, this is an exciting day. The first time Ceiling in six and, and a half years. Jimmy McVeigh's boat has a propeller. That would never work, but it's just fantastic. Of course, you see, look at the the, the, the rope job they just did on it. Much of a hammer. What's up? Give me that. Microphone. Well, you know it's not gonna end But just like uh, mindless segments, just this guy's completely eccentric. He's just crazy. Love that aspect. They bring this show. Sounds like 55 seatbelt buzzers all going off at once. You can imagine them. Does anyone remember those? You know those 80s seatbelt buzzers, just like that. I mean, I admit the newer newer cars, the dinging, intermittent dinging is just really annoying. But the buzzer, just some of them are all awful. Not the same bed. Uh, but, you know, after a couple of minutes of uh, pretending to be asleep, uh, I thought of a gun, we were asleep. 
I'm not. I'm surprised they know to run a computer. Under the cupboard uh, where we keep uh, all the. Yeah, that wasn't easy back then. So as a fire going on, of course they get hot and they start going off like hand grenades. I mean, it was a. Uh, There's like a the reference to grenades again. Smelled better and there were no mosquitoes. Huh. Well, of course that woke us all up. Everybody's running for safety. You know, my old man Sedgwick broke his arm on the rope ladder. Uh, Moose Thompson sconed his head on the safety light. And, uh, Stinky almost drowned from the sprinkler system, and of course I slept through the whole thing. But Not a bad day. The point is that uh, now we you know the system works, and uh, Valley we can all we can all sleep a little easier. So uh, if my wife is watching, uh, I'm coming right home after the show, and uh, I'll walk the dog. Uncle Red. You don't even have a dog. Dog. Well, that, that's cold, Carol. So, anyway, until next time, I'm Gaff myself, and uh, Harold, and my dog, uh, and everybody else here at the lodge, uh, keep your stick on the ice. <laughs>
or even you just want to say hi or you want to say thanks or um, you want to say hey the you know can you put this into the website maybe you're missing something uh, or you had a question or something you always want to know just send it in send it in the website we got a posting page there I got a link to the email and uh, I'll definitely get it and respond back and uh, potentially we'll even put you out in a future episode with your questions same as if you've got questions for a mailbag segment pose those to the website and we'll get you on the mailbag segment so with that said uh, I'm going to end the podcast off now Um, wishing you the very best and of course as always keep your stick on the ice